A quick note on the content of this episode. In the narration and court audio, suicide and mental illness will be mentioned. If you or a loved one is considering suicide, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Ann Tholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we continued our exploration of the prosecution's opening statement and were introduced to many key witnesses that the prosecution plans to call. On today's episode, we conclude our exploration of the prosecution's opening, and we explore the moment where Thomas Binger experiences the consequences of his decision not to seek to use media elements in his presentation. That's coming up right after the break. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Prosecutor Thomas Binger's closing statement has consistently returned to the refrain that in all of the chaos of the night of August 25th, 2020, Kyle Rittenhouse was the only person to kill someone. In the final portion of his opening, Binger tells the jury about some of the other witnesses whom he will call. Now, in this trial, you are going to hear from a number of witnesses from the state. I've already told you about a few of them. We are going to begin the testimony with Dominic Black. He will tell you a little bit about the acquisition of those guns. You will hear from Corey Elijah, who was live streaming the events that night. You will hear from Detective Martin Howard, who worked diligently to gather evidence, including many different videos, many different uh, photos of the scene that night. We are going to use that television to show you these things so that you can see them yourself. I know many of you alluded to the fact yesterday that you've watched or read things about this. You will get the full story here in the courtroom, and you will see some things that have not been made public yet. We intend to do that by moving the TV as central as we can so that you can see it as up close and as well as possible. And we will show you as much as we can about that, the events of that night. You will hear from the FBI individual who was in the plane taking that infrared video that shows the defendant chasing Mr. Rosenbaum and initiating that confrontation. You will hear from other individuals who took video that night. As we mentioned in earlier episodes, Binger uses no media elements in his presentation, so his descriptions of the video are not accompanied by visual references. We will return to this detail later in this episode. In the next section of his closing, Binger describes a witness, Carrie Ann Swart, who will talk about Joseph Rosenbaum, one of the men shot and killed by Kyle Rittenhouse. Swart was Rosenbaum's ex-girlfriend. Binger's description of the nature of Swart's testimony bears some scrutiny. Swart, Binger says, will tell the jury that Rosenbaum was released from a local hospital earlier in the day on August 25, 2020. After leaving the hospital, he went to Swart's residence. 
Binger also mentions that Rosenbaum could not stay there, but he does not mention that Rosenbaum was hospitalized for a suicide attempt and was prevented from staying with Swart by a no-contact order filed against him. In response to a motion by the prosecution, Judge Bruce Schrader ruled that Rosenbaum's mental health history and his criminal past, including charges of domestic abuse and child molestation, were not admissible at trial. Binger tries to thread the needle of telling the Rosenbaum-Swart story without revealing these aspects of Rosenbaum's past as follows. You will hear more about Joseph Rosenbaum from his girlfriend, Carrie Ann Swart. She will tell you about his hospital stay. She will tell you about that bag. She will tell you about what was in that bag. After wrapping up the Rosenbaum-Swart description, Binger moves on to the other individuals shot by Kyle Rittenhouse. You will hear about Anthony Huber. You will hear that he was a skateboarder, that he lived for skateboarding, that he was at the skate park at Kenoya Park all the time, that he actually knew Jacob Blake personally, that he came out that night because he wanted to show support for his friend, Jacob Blake. You will hear what sort of person Anthony Huber was. You will hear from other witnesses who've been affected by that night. You will hear from law enforcement witnesses who did a lot of investigative work to assemble all the evidence against the defendant in this case. And you will hear from Dr. Douglas Kelly, who will testify regarding the cause of death of Anthony Huber, the gunshot wound to the chest. And you will hear that the shot that killed Joseph Rosenbaum was a shot to the back. And based on all of that evidence, I think you will agree with me that the defendant is guilty of all of these charges. Thank you. With that, Binger finishes his opening statement. He seems to have threaded a needle, acknowledging Rosenbaum's whereabouts without opening the door to a discussion of Rosenbaum's mental health or criminal history. Judge Schrader calls a 10-minute break. When the court returns to session, Binger indicates that during the break, he saw elements of the defense opening and was surprised to find that the opposing counsel plans to use audiovisual material in their opening statement. Binger objects to this usage, believing it to be contrary to the common rules of practice in the Kenosha courts. And I, I think it's unusual procedure. I've often considered using exhibits uh, in my opening statement, and uh, I think it's generally accepted that they're not evidence yet. So we can't we can't be showing them to the jury unless they're in, in evidence, and we don't have any of this in evidence yet. So I would object to that. He does need to tell you what he proposes to show, and me too, <clears throat> but... <clears throat> The rule does not preclude their use during opening statement at all. Um, and uh, what's up, Mr. Your Honor, first bit, the first slide is a jury instruction, part of self-defense. Mark Richards proceeds to list the 41 pieces of visual media he will introduce during his opening statement. Altogether, it takes Richards 9 minutes and 25 seconds to go through the entire list. Oh, I guess witnesses. Well, we've got the whole trial there. I thought the opening statement was supposed to be a summary of the evidence, not the evidence itself. It, it, this, this is, uh, I think we're up to 41 videos and photos that are going to be uh, seemingly introduced through the testimony of attorney Mark Richards. This is a highly unusual procedure, Judge. We will, both sides will have the opportunity to call witnesses to talk about these things. We will have an opportunity in closing arguments to characterize these things, to give the, the jury what the defense considers. And I'm not conceding that uh, these things are the all the evidence or even that a lot of these things are relevant. Um, but for, for the opening statement to essentially be the entire defense case uh, and all the evidence showing it to them is highly unusual. 
Um, I took the approach in my opening statement, and I guess I was uh, not uh, pushing the envelope as far as I should have, uh, but it's always been my approach that I will uh, describe what I believe the evidence is going to be, uh, but I'm not the witness. I'm not uh, giving them the evidence. That's what the testimony is for. We've had a stipulation as to the authenticity of a lot of the things that counsel's talked about. That does not mean that they're admissible into evidence. It does not mean we're conceding relevance uh, to those things. And I anticipate that there will be some arguments as to the relevance of a lot of these things. We've already had some arguments about some of these things. Um, so, you know, you stressed to the jury that the opening statements would be brief. Uh, it took five minutes for him to list all of those things, let alone what it's going to take to actually show them and play them for the jury. Um, so I, I think as a general policy, Your Honor, and I understand it's not necessarily the law, um, but witnesses should be presenting evidence, not the attorneys in their opening statement. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. As we have previously mentioned, in jury duty's coverage of the trials of Robert Durst and the McMichaels and William Bryan, we saw prosecutors weave audiovisual material into their opening statements. And so we were a bit skeptical that Binger, as a seasoned prosecutor, would be unaware that he could do this. However, in last week's recap episode, we asked Michael Cicchini, a 20-year veteran of the Kenosha Criminal Courts, about whether in his experience judges have allowed AV material in the litigants' opening statements. I've tried to do that, and I've never tried it in Trader's Court, and I've been shut down cold. You know, judges won't allow a defense lawyer to do that. I've seen the prosecutor do it a couple of times. So I think there, in my experience, there's been a double standard imposed on the, the defense there from my limited experience. But in defense of Binger, I would say it's a very unusual practice. Judge Schrader responds to Binger's objection by directing several questions to the defense. Uh, well, first of all, are you going to be able to authenticate each and every one of these? All of these come from exhibits that have been agreed or stipulated to their authenticity. And uh, they're all going to be relevant. After Richards assures Judge Schrader of the video's relevance and authenticity, Schrader comes to a decision. Um, you know, the standard is not what you did or what you can do or could do. Uh, the standard is what the law allows. And I can remember um, studying this 50 years ago, that this was an acceptable way with judicial permission to make an opening statement. We see it more in civil cases than in criminal. It's not, it's not customary in, in um, criminal cases, but I've seen it done by your office. Uh, so, And I have to say that you're right. This is a record number in terms of the numbers. But uh, on the other hand, there's, there's a large number of crimes being charged and 
separate acts that uh, are being asserted with respect to both the acts that the state alleges were unlawful and the defendant's claim of self-defense. So given what the, that they do appear all to be relevant and uh, they've been agreed as authentic, then um, I don't see any reason that I should interfere with his right to make an opening statement. Mr. Finger make makes a good point in reinforcing my comment that this is supposed to be brief and informative. So I keep don't it. Think I'll be any longer than him, is, Your Honor. Bless you. All right. Anything else? Binger, presumably regretting that he has unwittingly ceded to the defense the opportunity to shape the juror's view of the audiovisual evidence, pivots to seeking reassurance from Judge Schrader that his decision to keep out Rosenbaum's criminal and mental health history still stands. Yes, Your Honor. One of the motions in limine I filed, uh, which was not objected to by the defense, is that there be no reference to any pending uh, or uh, prior criminal uh, cases or convictions with regard to Joseph Rosenbaum. Um, the parties are aware, the jury is not, uh, that there was at the time of his death a pending criminal case between Joseph Rosenbaum and his girlfriend, Carrie Ann Swart, and there was a bond condition that prohibited uh, Mr. Rosenbaum from having contact with her. The purpose of my motion in limine, which, as I said earlier, was not objected to by the defense, was we're not going to talk about that. Now, I made a reference in my opening statement to the fact that Mr. Rosenbaum uh, saw Ms. Swart that night and was uh, basically was not allowed to stay with her or, or did, was not uh, able to stay with her that night, so he left her residence. And I purposely worded it that way, Your Honor, because there are many reasons why someone may not be able to stay at someone's residence. Um, it could be because of a bond condition. It could be for a myriad of other reasons. Uh, it's my understanding from an off-the-record discussion with counsel that he intends to go into this. He believes I've opened the door to it. I wanted a pretrial ruling from the court on this issue. We got one. And I'm now raising it because uh, if it's going to be mentioned in the opening statement, I think this is the time to address this issue rather than uh, in the middle of an opening statement. So I'm bringing it back up again. I do not believe that my statement opened the door to it. And frankly, my statement is not evidence. Um, so I don't know that it can really open the door anyway. But by and large, I was very careful in the way I worded that. And I don't think it opened the door. I don't think, regardless, this is a relevant issue uh, for this trial. Mr. Rosenbaum's conduct with regard to Ms. Swart has nothing to do with what was going on on the street that night. Um, so it is completely irrelevant. And I would ask that the court reaffirm its prior ruling on my motion to eliminate. Throughout Binger's statement, Mark Richards seems to smile to himself. He pauses a moment, perhaps for dramatic effect, and then addresses the judge. Your Honor, he can't have ways. He can't go and say he was at the house and he couldn't stay there and not. Why can't we tell the jury why? Because there was a no contact. It's not appropriate. He thinks he didn't open the door, but he danced through the door. And he also talked about the hospital, got out of the hospital. He was in a mental hospital. And he's going to put her on the witness stand and we're not going to get to ask that? It's insane. I was very careful about the word hospital, Your Honor. Uh, I believe it was actually St. Luke's and Racine, um, which is a medical facility. It is not a mental institution. This wasn't Mendota or Winnebago or something along those lines. Um, and frankly, I'm not even 100% certain why he chose to check himself in. But again, whether or not Mr. Rosenbaum needed uh, a new kidney or needed medications for mental illness or was going to have his blood pressure checked has nothing to do 
with the the events of this night. And frankly, it's just a backdoor way of attacking his character and suggesting to this jury that somehow because there's going to be an allegation from the defense that he had some sort of mental illness that that had something to do with his behavior that night. I'd, I'd love to hear an expert on that, I guess, if they want to try and present that. And we can we can go down that line and we can talk about whether mental illness contributed to his behavior. What was his diagnosis? What medications were he on? We could open that door and go all the way through it, but that's a mini trial on an irrelevant issue. And I, I, if it's going to come in, there's a, a way to get it in through an other acts motion, which was never filed by the defense. And I certainly have not opened the door when I talk about the word hospital. This could be COVID treatment. It could be a kidney transfer. It could be anything. It does not open the door. And again, I was very careful in the way I worded that, Your Honor. You know, if I start talking about his medications or I start talking about, you know, seeing a psychiatrist or something like that, that's different. Hospital is a very uh, nebulous term that could mean a myriad of things. Judge Schrader zeroes in on Binger's statement regarding the reason for Rosenbaum leaving Swartz home. Now, and you also made a statement about his being with the, the person by whom he was allegedly bound not to have contact. And she will talk. He couldn't stay with her. I'm sorry? Why did you say that he couldn't stay with her? I said that because it explains why he didn't, why he left and came downtown. He's got a hospital bag, Your Honor. It's a little unusual, I think, for someone to be released from a hospital, have a bag of their personal belongings, go to their girlfriend's place, and then continue to walk around with it. Uh, that's that's a little unusual. We know what was really going on. By the way, how do we know that he had been there and had left? She going to testify? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And so she's going to talk about seeing him. She's going to talk about that bag. And she's going to say she saw what was in that bag. And this comes into play, Your Honor, because this is the bag that was thrown at the defendant. There's been some allegations out there that this is a Molotov cocktail or it's got chemicals in it or some. It's got something that could cause the defendant harm. It had toothpaste, okay. mouthwash, and a water bottle You're in it. That's 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 the narrow relevance of this bag. Well, that's why I'm not concerned. I, the relevance is not something I want to talk about. I want to talk about what you said and sure. why he thinks it is worthy of response. Rittenhouse's attorney, Mark Richards, jumps back into the argument. He's misrepresenting the facts of the case to the jury by saying hospital when it was a mental hospital. Mr. Binger knows full well he had gotten out for a suicide attempt. So? And and let the jury know what type of hospital it was, why he was acting the way he was. He was not acting appropriately. That's part of the defense. And, Boy, and I, then he goes and says, can't stay there. Why can't he stay there? Because there's a court order that says he can't. He wasn't supposed to go there in the first part. And if he was on trial for violating his bond, then we'd have that trial. But he hasn't been tried or convicted of that because he's deceased. But, Your Honor, and by the way, we have the bond condition here. It's no contact, including the residents, electronic or third party with Carrie Ann Swart and the Park Ridge Inn, which she uh, stays there. And they had been staying there together until that criminal case started. So, you know, if if we want to charge Mr. Rosenbaum with violating his bond, uh, what good would it do? He's deceased. But yes, that is true. But again, it, it doesn't make him a criminal on this evening. It doesn't make his behavior help explain any of that stuff. Um, I don't think as far as your opening statement, you need to respond to his statement about the hospital. I'll have to separately decide at a later point as to whether that whether he had been hospitalized and for what. I don't know if that's admissible or not. I suspect that it is not, but keep an open mind. Uh, and uh, as far as here is, he is not being there or not supposed to be there, 
again, I, I'm not sure that I want to hear about that in your opening statement. Uh, but um, again, I'll hear you later as to why you think that would be relevant. Just, he's talking about my client traveling here from out of bounds. Right. And he's trying to say, oh, he had a good excuse for not being at home. He couldn't stay there that night. Well, jury should know why he couldn't stay there. Well, I don't know. If he can't stay there, he can't stay there. She could have kicked him out because she didn't like uh, his having a hospital bag. I don't know. I'm not sure it's necessarily relevant. Uh, he was where he, like the defendant, was not supposed to be, allegedly. And uh, we'll let it play out. But don't talk about those two things in your opening statement. Anything else? No. Okay. That concludes this episode of Jury Duty, the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode as we begin our examination of the defense team's opening statement. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. This episode was written by Amalia Mathewson. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. The episode was edited by Chris Taracone. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio. Trial audio is courtesy of Law and Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. <laughs>